Hey, I'm Lois. Join me in my conversation with Lauren Wendell, who's an author and journalist, as we talk all things faith and recovery. Just talk, talk about you, Lauren. Just talk about me. Talk about you. What have you been up to Love today? This. Um, what have I been up to today? Mm. Oh, I wasn't expecting such challenging questions. <laughs> We've gone in high. Oh my gosh, you told me this was going to be casual. No, what have I done today? I made myself a smoothie, right? Mm-hmm. And um, someone told me that it's really important to have kefir. So I went in with like the proper, like unfiltered, no sugar goat's kefir that tastes like cheesy, fizzy milk. What, you? Um, So the only way I can imbibe it is through the medium of smoothie with a lot of other sugary things. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just like... Unbearable. Awful. What are the health benefits of kefir? Do you know? I think everything they say on a Yakult advert. Right. Good it's gut. The, yeah. It's good, gut. it's good bacteria, mm-hmm. gut, digestion, mm-hmm. all the good stuff. All the good stuff. All the sort of generic wellness one could mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, because fun fact about you, neuroscientist, right? Which means I'm really up on gut health and <laughs> enzymes in the stomach. Yeah, that is your zone of expertise. Yeah, in terms of nervous system. People think it's all in the brain, but it's actually right down there in the tummy. No, I have got a neuroscience degree. Mm -hmm. I studied neuroscience a few years ago, and then I went back and did a master's specifically in addiction studies, which has got quite a lot of overlap because it's how, like, chemicals interact with the brain. So I really like the brain. Mm. I haven't done a huge amount of it since, but it gifts me two things. One is when they talk about neuroscience on tv shows and they're like no it's attacking his blah 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 i can laugh along because i'm like they don't know what they're talking about um and also it's a really good way of surprising people who've mm. underestimated me so i like to whip it out at dinner parties yeah. just after i finish talking about towie or yeah, something yeah you know? just send their minds into confusion yeah like, she loves towie and she's a neuroscientist oh my gosh i can't confuse Crazy. this it's all the fun Crazy. all the fun <laughs> But we're not just here to talk about neuroscience, Lauren. We're no. here to talk about you. We are. And so I would love you to just share with us a little bit about your life and maybe specifically something of how you came to faith. Right. A bit of my life, mm. uh, specifically through the lens of like faith journey. So I was raised going to church. That's the first thing to say. And I didn't like it. My mum used to take me to church when I was younger and it. Oh, I could see good in it and I could see good in God I would say that was the sort of spiritual entity that I felt I could connect to and understand best was God yeah and that was fine the sort of kindly father figure but who also gets pretty peeved when you do things wrong right that was my God yeah um as a kid but it was the Christians I really struggled with and I've said this a few times and it's like I felt really judged Mm. and particularly as I got older, because I think as a child, like, yeah, okay, you get told off when you're naughty, but you're not really up on the whole shame, judgment thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you get a bit older, as a teenager in church, what I found is lots of churches will speak to you a lot about sex, drink, drugs, right? And if you're not having sex, you're not drinking, you're not taking drugs, then you are a successful Christian teenager, Mm. right? Yeah. Which is 
rubbish Rubbish, because there are so many other metrics that we could be looking at for sort of spiritual development and and general well-being um in in people's lives but those were the those were the hot three yeah and I was doing them Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. as a teenager not so early as like 13 but certainly by like 15 16 yeah um and I just felt unwelcome Mm. and like I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I'd never be good enough. So church just like wasn't for me. Yeah. It was the summary. And yeah. then when I got to those sort of early teenage years, probably around 13, when my mum was like, okay, so you don't have to come if you don't want to. Yeah. You can stay home. I like jumped at the chance to stay home because I just didn't enjoy church. So then I guess in those sort of 30, from 13 to It'd be 25 is when I walked back into a church. I know. Can you... I don't even look much more than 23, 24. I thought thought you were 27. That's... There you go. It really throws people when I say that. No, so there was a good sort of 12 years where Mm. I wasn't involved in a church. I still would have described myself as Christian. Yeah. Um, And every now and again when I was really drunk, I'd pray. Yes. Like oh, this has been a rubbish day. God, why is everything so awful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll pray. And I remember a couple of times, like, trying to find something of God. Like, I turned, I was really high. So, oh, so I started taking drugs quite right. seriously in this time as yeah. well. Like, yeah. not really plugged into any kind of church community or anything like that. Wouldn't Didn't have any personal relationship in terms of prayer or Bible or Christians around me. Yeah. Lots of drugs, lots of drinking, lots of partying, various boyfriends who weren't very good for me. Mm-hmm. I remember being really high and the party was over-ish, but I'd kept it going on my own because that's what you do when you love drugs and drinking. So I was on the sofa feeling really alone, feeling really depressed, feeling really like boxed in by whatever I'd done that night and um, turned on like Freeview. And you know, if you just keep going past all of the channels, like all of the normal channels people watch, even further than Babe Station, (laughs) then you get to like these like Christian like radio shows and stuff like that. And I was like looking for one and I was like, God, if you're real, put my favourite song on, Mm. right? And I remember doing that when I was much younger as well. And my mum took me to HTB because I wasn't loving the church I was at. And I said like, oh, well, God, if you're there, you'll you'll put my favourite song, you'll make them sing my favourite song. And they did. Wow. So I was like, great. Mm. Oh my gosh round two let's do this again as a sort of like I don't know 19 year old and they didn't and I was like well that's one all Mm. so who knows Mm. you know Mm. (laughs) like yeah but it's funny I think lots of us can issue those challenges and you hear in people's stories as well they're like and I just said you know if you're real make this person walk through the door and then sometimes you hear that that happens you're like oh my goodness that is an absolute miracle it doesn't always yeah it really doesn't always you know you can be there in a really desperate moment and Mm. be like show me something Mm. and actually sometimes that's not your time um and it's like yeah so I remember thinking like all right then God's obviously you know yeah out of office is on or whatever or or I've just I'm just wrong yeah so roll on a few years drugs had really gotten out of control for me yeah I told my sister about like what I'd been doing. I'd been taking drugs and stuff and she had stayed in church and and had enjoyed church way more than I had and had really lovely friends and things. And then um, she she sort of knew I was drinking. She probably suspected I took drugs, but she 
wasn't sure. So when I finally told her, she was like, okay, fine. She moved me in with her on the Saturday and on the Sunday she took me to church and it was a really nice church in yeah. South London. Yeah. And someone like stood up and talked about something they did for homeless people. And I was like, cute, <laughs> that's nice. So good to like be lovely to other people. Yeah. Like these are good people. And my sister was like, so what did you think? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they're really nice. She was like, but for you, do you want this to be like a thing? Yeah. And I was like, no, like I get it's important to you. I can see, I can see that they're good and that's nice. And like church does good things, but it's not for me. Like it doesn't feel like home for me. It doesn't feel like somewhere I should be. And she was gutted Mm. because she was like, you know, she showed up. Yeah. She, She, you know, she was there. Yeah. Why, God, haven't you, like, mm. gone to get her? Why yeah. are you not reaching reaching back, yeah. you know? Um, so that was, like, a serious, like, a real knock for her. But actually, in their homeless thing, I remember them saying, when you do stuff, you should tell people you're doing it because you believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And a few months later, I got, like, I was walking down just by, like, the Sainsbury's near me and sitting outside, you know, kind of near the cash point, kind of near the entrance, was a guy in a wheelchair and he had no legs. Um, and I didn't... I don't know if he was maybe, like, a veteran or or had some something, some sort of illness or something. I didn't ask, but he was homeless. And he stopped me and asked me if I'd give him money. And they always say, like, oh, don't give homeless people money because you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I got chatting to him and he was like, I need this much to stay in this hostel tonight. Yes. And I thought, well, I'll phone the hostel and I'll check. Um, And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll give you the money. I gave him 30 quid, so Mm -hmm. enough for like the hostel for a a weekend and some food and stuff like that. And I I said to him, I'll phone the hostel to check. And then I was like, oh, but I'm doing this because I love Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, that's what they said to do. (laughs) And then afterwards, I never did phone the hostel because Mm -hmm. it wasn't about that. Yes. You know, and I would have felt really disheartened if he hadn't turned up. Mm -hmm. And if he had, it it made no difference Mm -hmm. to the world other than just what I knew of the world and I didn't feel like I needed the knowledge you know so I never called but I remember telling my sister I'd done that and she was like really pleased and she wrote me a card saying like how proud of me she was for doing that and she was like really encouraging um and it was probably about a year later that I walked back into a church and by this point I had been challenged on my drinking and my drug taking by enough people that I'd gone to a recovery group And they had said in that recovery group that I needed a higher power. Yes. And for some people, that's like nature and the trees. And some people, it's, you know, another sort of standard religion, you know, that they identify more with. And some people, it's just literally the power of a group of people collected with a common interest and a common goal is stronger, is a higher power. Yes than you as an individual Mm. so I was like right well I've got to work out what this higher power thing is and um basically the last higher power I remembered engaging with and the person people had been talking to me about was God and Jesus and the Christian God so I rocked up at a church and I I think honestly if I hadn't liked it I just would have gone to yoga because that's like what everyone does they're like oh spiritual journey yeah I'm a yoga instructor now. Yeah. Um, but actually, like, I found really good community in that church. Yeah. They were so kind to me. They were really gentle at a time when I didn't need someone to tell me how bad I was because yes. I really felt that already. I didn't need someone to be like, you've got to change this, this and this. I just yes. needed someone to, like, accept me as I was. Mm. And that's not something I... Th- 
had found in previous churches, but I did find it there. And yes. I think that that was amazing. Yeah. And that was it. And then I was like, you know, well, it took me a while to be fair. It wasn't it. It's not like... People have these like lightning bolt stories yeah. where they're like, oh, and then this came and I felt this and I saw this yeah. and I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. I have a slow slog mm. towards learning about faith yes. and God yeah. that was really painful, quite boring at times. Mm. And it was one tiny pigeon step after another. Mm-hmm. And then after about a year and a half, I turned around and realized I'd actually traveled quite far. Mm, I love that. But that's like, I don't have one of those like, and bam, I was there. Yeah. I was unsure. Yeah. I asked lots of questions. There was lots I didn't like. I was resentful. I pushed back. Mm. I challenged things. I read things. I disagreed. And I still do a bit, mm. you know. I say to my mum, I'm like the church's problem child. And she says, I'm the voice <laughs> of the church's child. problem children. <laughs> so that's why. But like, you know, and I think that that's an important part of the journey. Totally. So yeah. Slow burn, you might say. Slow burn. Slow if burn. I was speaking in Love Island language, <laughs> I would I say there. slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> slow burn. So you've exposed yourself. <laughs> we all know what you do at nine o'clock on a weekday night. <laughs> So it feels like what you're saying, the slow burn, Mm. this was like quite a slow, gentle journey for you. Can I ask you what you feel like now when you reflect back? Mm. What kept you on that journey? And maybe were there moments when you thought, this isn't for me, faith isn't for me? Did I think faith wasn't for me? I definitely, I definitely started with a pick and choose attitude. Mm -hmm. Like some parts of faith, 100% for me. Um, so because I went into recovery at the same time as I went into faith, they say in the, in a sort of recovery space, take what works for you and leave what doesn't. And that's sensible because one thing about it can really put you off. For example, if you don't buy into this whole higher power thing at all, and some people really don't, then you might walk out and not find that recovery and end up in an institution or in prison or or dead or whatever because of your using. So, like, to find a way to make that work for you can save your life, right? Whereas the other thing I was exploring and learning about at the same time was faith. Mm -hmm. So I took the same attitude initially, like, okay, this works. I like the group that I'm in, the sort of women's Bible study I was in. I like the friendship. Um, I like certain aspects of it, so I'm going to take those for now. And... That isn't like a, a practice I would recommend because faith isn't down to our individual judgment and God knows what he's doing and, and da 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 da. But it kind of got me through the door. Mm-hmm. And also, something that stopped me from walking away, I think, is all through my those sort of teenage years, I'd just been given a list of things I, I shouldn't do. And every time I felt short, I felt I wasn't good enough. And I don't know if I was told in words I wasn't good enough, but I definitely got that message through from other people as well. And second time around, I didn't get that. There was no like, great, you're a Christian now, so you're not going to smoke, you're not going to swear, you're not going to, you know, date, you're not going to all of this kind of stuff. Actually, people were like, well, look, you know, we think that your body and you would thrive best if you didn't smoke, but you smoke, so... 
that's where you're at. Yeah. And I needed that. And I smoked for a year and a half. When I got baptised, I was still smoking. Mm. Um, but I'd just given up cocaine and, and alcohol. So you can't just be giving up all the good stuff in one go. <laughs> you know? You've got to pace yourself. And I think... I, I genuinely think, like, it's a flawed Christian perception that thinks that those visible things need to be wiped out immediately. God knows what he's working on. And it could have been that God left me smoking for 10 years because I was so full of pride. And he was like, that's what's going to kill her. That's what's going to take her away from me. Let's take take these 10 years to focus on her pride. You know, and actually just because, you know, pride doesn't smell like tobacco, Mm. you know, people don't know what it is that God needs to be working yeah. on. And often we're really quick to be like, well, can can he be a real Christian if mm. he's doing that? Can she be a real Christian? Are they really Christian if they're living together and they're not married? Like, maybe God is speaking to people about their smoking or about whatever it is they're doing. But unless you really know them well, you know, it could be that that you challenging them on it uninvited without that sort of proximity to what their spiritual life is and what they're working on now and what God's saying to them, you could do more harm than good. Mm. So actually, that's what kept me. Mm. I don't know if there was a time when I thought, I don't want this. Um, I think I needed to be cared for and I found people caring for me. It was ironically it was Christians that drove me away but Christians that brought me back in because I didn't know God uh Jesus I always read the Jesus stories and thought he was a bit smug Mm. I I didn't get the like gentle friendship Mm -hmm. vibes the like here's a guy who challenges you I got like oh He's been away from his family as a kid for two days. They come back and he's like, well, you knew I was here. (laughs) Would you, you know, and then I said that to a few people and they were like, I think maybe you should re-look at those stories (laughs) really gently. I don't think that now, Mm. but my initial reaction was to feel a bit like defensive Mm -hmm. and a bit like, well, was he that great? Doesn't sound that great to me. Um, So that's been a journey that has been like a really amazing one to go on. But it starts with admitting what, what your preconceptions are outside of faith. And I think I sort of saw Jesus as the pillar of the judgmental, holier-than-thou people mm-hmm. who sort of just knew everything. Mm-hmm. When actually, like, that was a real misunderstanding that, that I've learned in time. God I was always kind of cool with, mm. you know. I thought he was angrier than I do now. But also I think we, we could accept a little bit more of the smiting than we mm. do these days. <laughs> all grace obviously there's lots of like the grace is very important but a bit a bit of the god fearing you know there's a there's a happy medium between me and my grandma you know um so that's you know something that's part of my journey but yeah no i didn't i didn't just bounce into relationship yeah with with all of those you know god jesus holy spirit so what kept me was christians Mm. and that facilitated me growing in my understanding of those. And actually, genuinely, The Shack really helped as well. Mm -hmm. Really early doors, I watched the film and read Mm -hmm. the book. And seeing God in a really homey way as a mother figure rather than a father figure was really important to me. And I know some people weren't happy with that, but I don't care. I thought Mm -hmm. that that was really, really special. Mm -hmm. Particularly as I had grown up in 
a majority African church. So that was a really, oh, for people who haven't seen it, the figure of God is played by a black woman. What's her name? She's super Viola famous. Yeah. It's not Viola Davis. Yes. yes, thank you. Um, so that was really, really special. The Holy Spirit was sort of a more floaty character. Um, but Jesus, I thought, was portrayed as like a really, a really like gentle loving but also wise and assertive kind of person and that was really important for me as well Mm. so I don't know if those depictions are always ideal but I think if you take them for what they are which is fiction yes but but sort of you know they're a starter for 10 aren't they while you grow using the actual bible um that really helped me so it's a bit amateurish Mm. but like it was really useful yeah so cool and Lauren when I'm hearing you talk what I think is really inspiring and really beautiful is how personal your relationship is with Jesus. And that that sounds like, you know, you're talking about the timing that things happened and like the gentleness of like, mm. even that journey of like, you giving up smoking. Mm. Like, how would you encapsulate now? Like, how would you describe what your relationship with Jesus is like now? What's my relationship with Jesus like now? It's good yeah we're cooking on gas (laughs) (laughs) simmering (laughs) yeah just just simmering away I think so the thing is right I can say stuff and if you're not in the right place to hear it it can sound quite cliche Mm -hmm. and I really and I don't like that and I think often I felt on the outside of some of this chat when people are like, oh yeah, Jesus is like my best friend. And Jesus, because like if you're not in a place where you felt that, then it can feel really trite when you hear it. Um, I'd say I like having an, the example of how Jesus does things. So like I don't see Jesus, my relationship with Jesus isn't a friend, right? because that would be equal feeding, equal support, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And Jesus doesn't need me. He likes having me around. (laughs) But he doesn't need me like I need him. And I know that, you know, and sometimes you get unequal relationships. And this is, this is big time, one of them. I'm the drain, he's the tap, right? (laughs) And that's cool. Um, I think that I when I picture myself in a difficult situation I think of it like he's standing next to me like he's a mentor yeah like um so one of the things I absolutely love about Jesus right is that you can't catch him out Mm. there's no riddle he can't solve Mm -hmm. right every time through these bible stories they're like oh well Moses said we should stone that woman but you're like oh so kind what are you going to do Jesus what are you going to do right you've got two options there rock and a hard place what are you going to do you've got option A you've got option B same with the oh should we pay taxes you know oh what's who are we supposed to be you know all of that kind of stuff he cannot be caught out because mm. there's always a secret option C with Jesus so, true. so when I feel really stuck I'm like okay it looks like there's option A and option B neither of these are ideal both of these involve you know, hurting someone yes. or getting something wrong or doing something that actually doesn't doesn't sit well with me, like morally, ethically, spiritually. There's always secret option C. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the guy who, like, points me towards that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Because that's, like, for want of a more 
biblical phrase. That's mm-hmm. like a magic trick, right? Yeah. 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 To never feel backed into a corner, to always feel that you have the freedom to think more wisely, more widely mm-hmm. about a situation. Yeah. So that's that's really special. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> Secret option number C. Number C? Letter C. C. Oh, babe. <laughs> Do you know what? I told that to someone in my life group and then they like left the church. They actually go to your church now. No way. Yeah. And then we were chatting about something and she was like, do you know what someone said to me once? And she repeated it back to me. And I was like, mate, are you quoting my thing to me? Like, if you're going to tell that to people, I'm going to need to hear you copyright it. Because, you know, no, I'm obviously, all thoughts about Jesus are free for everyone. Welcome to it. Welcome claim, for everyone. Claim it as your own. Claim it as, I've definitely claimed other people's. The number of times I've told that Pete Hughes thing about the epidural. Oh, and the, yeah. God is, God is not an epidural, he's a midwife. Oh. I've Very stopped good, even. Yeah. I've stopped even referencing him. That's <laughs> become yours. That's mine. <laughs> if anyone asks, what is original thought anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so, Lauren, again, let me take you back to your life pre-Jesus. Pre-Jesus. I, I actually did PSBC. a bit of PSBC. <laughs> did a bit of research on you before before this. You maybe. found. <laughs> wait, did you find anything online about me before I was a Christian? Just, just seeing what you did out there. If you <laughs> Nothing did, scandalous. No. Did you? I guess the only way to do that would be to like sit on my Facebook and go all the way back to like university. <laughs> Should have done that. They didn't do that. That would have been horrific slash hilarious (laughs) no this was something you put out there that i thought was really interesting okay you once said um quoting miss probably like you know paraphrasing but not quoting but something along the lines of the fact that drugs and alcohol felt like an escape for you Mm. and i would just be intrigued to know since i've got you in the flesh and i can ask you the question Mm. what do you think now when you reflect back when you look back what is it that you were trying to escape from and um, yeah, potentially, do you think you've escaped from it? Uh, yeah, so that is a paraphrase. I usually <laughs> Sorry. say... No, no, but that is accurate. I usually say drugs and alcohol weren't my problem, they were my solution, mm-hmm. right? And that I stole from Russell Brand. So, okay. like, you know, yeah. I'll keep... Another non-original thing. <laughs> you can keep quoting me and I'll keep telling you who actually said it. <laughs> Um, yes, I I definitely, in that time, didn't know what I was escaping from and I wouldn't have been able to put language to it. Mm-hmm. I, can, I think it's with hindsight that it's far easier to identify those things. I, lots of people in recovery say this and I think lots of people feel it. Um, I thought I felt things harder than other people. Mm. And I think to an extent I did. Like some people are ask them things and they're like, yeah, yes, if it doesn't work out. And I'm like, no, how are you not in absolute like tatters mm. over the idea of that? You know, like how have you just taken that in your stride? Um, and it appeared to me that I could experience the same thing as a friend or a family member or whatever, and it would just hit me harder. And I don't know if that's because it literally hit me harder or because I didn't have the same level of resilience or the same tools or I hadn't been taught how to break it down into chunks and process it. So I just felt like when I was excited, I was more excited. When I was happy, I was more happy. When I was sad, I was sadder. I was more depressed. I was more angry. I was more anxious, more stressed, more tight, like whatever it was than other people. And I really struggled to handle that. So drugs and alcohol particularly in social situations didn't provide me with 
they didn't stop that being a problem, but they were a very effective distraction. Mm -hmm. So they gave me a sort of slip road so I didn't have to keep feeling that way very temporarily. And then I'd just come back on and I'd be in the same place, if not worse. Um, So effectively, and this is quite a recovery phrase as well, so you're not you can quote me, but it wouldn't be me, is I couldn't deal with life on life's terms Mm -hmm. because life is painful, you know, and, like, life comes with things which we all have to deal with, which are very difficult, like, you know, heartbreak or rejection or friends not treating you as well as they could or should and all of those kind of things, but then also some really difficult things which fewer people experience, but they have more more of an acute effect. And there's really, you can protect yourself to an extent, mm. but life's always going to get you, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually what we need is not to sort of hide away, not to never allow ourselves to be vulnerable or be in relationship with people because they could upset us, whatever. We just need to know how to take those difficult feelings and allow yourself to feel them. So I just didn't want to feel them, yeah. I think is the thing. Yeah. Um, but these days when I feel something a lot, like even this weekend, I've, you know, I've not been very well and da, 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 and I just felt so overwhelmed and I felt like I was being pulled by people in all directions and I just had to say to myself, okay, this is how you feel right now. You're not going to stop yourself from feeling that way. Mm-hmm. You're not going to think your way out of it. It's how you feel right now. The capacity you have is the capacity you have. So what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go to bed? Are you going to sit on the sofa and put something on that will just distract you? Are you going to do emails? Are you going to call a friend? Are you going to go for a walk? Like, actually, what have you got capacity for now? Yeah. And then just do those things Mm -hmm. rather than... Because I think I felt annoyed with myself that I wasn't handling things as well as other people Mm. and I really beat myself up for it. Mm. But that's it. You are where you are. You feel how you feel. Um, and I think something that really helped me actually was this was during lockdown Mm. when I was, uh, there was a point where I was feeling really low in lockdown and I logged into the online sermon at KXE and it wasn't my church, but I just thought, you know, you can church, you can moonlight with impunity during lockdown, can't you? Moonlight with impunity. (laughs) No one, no one knows you're dabbling. (laughs) So dabble I did. And um, I can't even remember who was doing the sermon, but it was amazing. It was on lament. And it was the idea that in those difficult moments, you don't need to pray, God, stop me from feeling this way. Take me out of it. You can pray, God, sit with me Mm. in it. And actually, like, that's the whole midwife versus epidural thing. Like, God's not going to anesthetize you from the pain, but he's a safe pair of hands mm. to sit with you and he won't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, he will stay with you and, until that's over and it will end. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how to do that and yeah. I didn't want to do that yeah. before. Yeah. And I, I guess the sort of follow-up question or question connected to that, you talked a bit about the fact that you we're exploring faith and going on this journey of recovery at the same time. Mm. And I guess um, maybe those journeys felt connected or, you know, Mm. at some points. Um, What would you say to someone who was listening to this and maybe they think, you know, Lauren, amazing story, that's great for you, but you needed Jesus because you were an alcoholic, you know? That's not me. Why Why would I even consider this journey of faith? What would you say to someone who might be thinking that, listening? Pardon me. 
Better out than in. <laughs> Please don't put that in the edit. Sam, don't mess me up here. <laughs> no. I think often the people who you platform, the people who come here, the people who go on a stage or podcast, whatever, are people who have got a testimony that's a bit different. Mm-hmm. It's not someone who, like, yeah, I was raised in church, reasonably rural, few younger people, you know, went to a few Christian youth festivals, had a bit of a wobble at uni, and now I'm, you know, in church. Struggle a bit sometimes, you know, sometimes life's tough, kids, mm-hmm. job, whatever, family, yeah. Yeah. and that's it, yeah. right? Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, what a snooze. <laughs> Those stories are so amazing because mm-hmm. actually people who haven't experienced a really, really life-altering sort of circumstance but still have faith right that's wild Mm. they don't have the same level of proof that I have Mm. you know I've seen enough yeah that I know the difference Jesus makes in my life but the people who can sit around and be consistent I was listening to a business podcast the Mm. other day I don't know why (laughs) who do I think I am Steve Jobs over here I think it was that happy Yeah. It's that happy, sexy millionaire guy. What's he called? The one who... Diary, Diary of a CEO. CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, we've all got time for him, haven't we? <laughs> um, so, and it was like the people who are most successful in business are the people who can withstand boredom mm. because it's about doing the same thing over and over again. And that's how you get good at it. Mm. So we don't need the bang. We don't need the, whoa, we don't need the near-death experience. Actually, the people who will go really far are the ones who, when they commit to their faith, they stick at it routinely, Mm. day in, day out, just faithfully doing effectively the same thing, reading the Bible, praying, turning up to church. That, to me, is the incredible story because it's like, how do you do that? Mm. Um, But I guess if someone hasn't consistently committed to faith but also hasn't got this thing, right, where, like, there's something big where it's like, yeah, Lauren definitely needed that. I'd say, like, I just think it would be a shame not to live life. I mean, you could do that whole thing where you, like, on your deathbed, just pick a religion and you go for it, roll the dice, right? (laughs) Um, And I know people who are like, yeah, maybe when I get a bit older I'll think about it, you know, super busy right now. I just think it's such a shame if people don't get the chance to experience, like, what this could be like. Mm. Because the, like, amount of freedom that I felt, yes, from drugs and alcohol, but also, like, even if I hadn't had the drugs and alcohol thing, even just, like, the peace, the headspace, the knowing that I can trust my convictions because I'm I'm plugged in and I'm hearing from God, knowing that I don't have to do things in my own strength. And that could be literally getting up and having a shower or feeding your kid or hanging up the washing. You know, it doesn't have to be dragging yourself out from the pits of addiction. It's, it's the day-to-day. You know, life is hard in the day-to-day. But that solution translates across the board. And I just think it's a shame that there are people who just never got to live that, Mm. you know? So I would love that for everyone, Mm. like, right now. Yeah. Okay, Lauren, one final question from me. No, don't let it end. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. You mentioned earlier about being the voice of the church's problem children. How do you think, how do you navigate and hold that 
um, whilst actively being a part of the church um, and, yeah, holding that tension of that being like a, a real thing for you um, but still committing to this faith and still being a part of the Christian church. Yeah, a vo- the voice of the church's problem children, yeah. I think I feel most comfortable in a room full of people who are the ones you kind of hope won't sit next to you on the bus. You know what I mean? I know, exactly. Like, and you're there and you're like, oh gosh, it's always me who gets that person who sits down and tries to have a chat with you or whatever. Um, And I don't... I don't love a lot of things about the institution of church. And we are waking up to that, right? I think that there's going to be a real movement towards house churches and smaller groups and and things like that because the the mega church has not served us well at times, right? Um, And certainly smaller leaders of smaller community churches are really important. Um, there's so much about the church I love and I think it's really important to say that and when it's done right it literally saves lives it saved my life Um, and you know I always think if someone's annoyed you but you don't really like them then what's the point in pulling them up on it Mm. because you don't intend to journey with them as they develop you don't need that friendship and relationship to grow I love the church more than anything yeah which is why I want to have those difficult conversations because at the moment there are things that aren't good enough and in society we are being invited to listen to the experiences of people that are not our own experiences, you know, particularly in the last few years. We've had Me Too movement where men learned more about the lived experience of women, you know, walking home or whatever. We had Black Lives Matter where people were speaking out about things that they've experienced that particularly white people wouldn't have been aware of because it's not their lived experience. And I speak loads about single people and how actually there are so many single people who feel like second-class citizens. They feel like they haven't been chosen and therefore they aren't eligible for for leadership or or to step into important roles or their their opinions not as respected, particularly in a church setting, right? Um, And there are loads of other examples of that. And I do think it's important... And I do think... That's not my phone. I'm on aeroplane mode, so... <laughs> you sound like a headmistress. That's not yeah. my phone. <laughs> You're on a roll. It's beautiful. I've got a feeling yeah. that was Sam, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I do think that if we just let these things set, if no one's holding church leaders to account, if no one's speaking about these things, then it can be really, really damaging. And we're seeing that with some of the huge, you know corrupted church leaders and things like that they haven't been held to account they haven't been pulled up on things um so I you know I feel like people like having me in their church until they realize (laughs) that you know if I'm in a in a white majority church I'm like but why I've lived Mm. in London well I've lived in London all my life and there are loads of white majority churches and then there are there are black churches Mm. and da 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 you know and I can I can walk into a really popular church and be like this is this doesn't represent the people I know in this community. So yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah. Why is there no one single who who preaches from the front of this church? Why is everyone drinking so much? Mm. You know, and stuff like that. And it, it sounds a bit like I'm the fun police, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it done well. Yes. 
It's changed my life. I've seen communities where people are truly there for each other. You can't always be there for everyone. Where people embrace the person you don't want to sit next to on the bus and they accept that they can learn something from them, that their opinion's valid. They love speaking to older, elderly people and it's not a chore for them to do it because what they get from them is just gem after gem after gem and then they offer companionship as well. You know, but not in a like, oh, good... The young people are here doing their bit for the others. The white people are going out there to get the black people in. The the married couples have opened up a small window for a single person, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's actually, it's not that one person is in a better position to, to graciously allow other people. It's that you're an absolute idiot if you do not take the time to see the good things and the wisdom and the lived experience of those around you because mm-hmm. that will only enrich your life and your understanding. And we do way too much talking mm-hmm. and not enough listening. And church can be a community of absolute odd bods and everyone from all walks of life it doesn't have to be homogenous mm. and I love that and I feel so comfortable in that space yeah. and particularly having seen it modeled in recovery groups like AA yes. it's what I want for the church yes. and it's spectacular so you know I just keep slogging away and I see it say it as I see it yeah and I think people who've really got that heart for Jesus don't need telling anyway yeah you know yeah. that's it we just yeah keep progress not perfection small incremental changes and hopefully we'll keep growing like the church into something more like what god and jesus would love it to be amen amen lauren thank you so much for your time incredible insights and wisdom so funny they shouldn't let me do this with people i'm friends with if this had been like someone i'd never met before or pqs i'm your best I, honestly i would have been so well behaved 